This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. It's Annie Grace. How is everybody doing? I wanted to dive right in and answer this question that is kind of controversial that I actually get asked a lot. And, um, it is, does Annie Grace think Alcoholics Anonymous or AA is wrong? And I just want to clear the air here and just from the, you know, straight from the quote horse's mouth, tell you, although that makes me the horse in that scenario, but anyway, straight from my mouth, tell you exactly what I think about AA. I want to say, first of all, I do not think AA is wrong at all by any stretch of the imagination. This naked mind obviously is very different than AA, and I want to go into some of those differences, but that does not ever mean that I think that AA is wrong or that it's bad or evil or any of those sorts of things. In fact, looking back into the 1930s, when people were you know, drinking out of control, were getting addicted to alcohol, people did not even understand that alcohol was addictive. They literally thought something was wrong with the person. And so the, people were going in and out of hospitals and hospitalization and to doctors and being turned away because the doctors didn't feel like they could help them until finally Bill Wilson came along with Dr. Selkworth and they found something in terms of community and coming together and camaraderie and just being there for each other that actually helped and then put together and developed the 12 steps, which is an actually really beautiful practice and process of going through a lot of self inventory and different things. And so thank goodness for that, right? Can you imagine if we would have continued to just let people suffer? And when there was nothing like that's that's, I, I think that's beautiful. Another thing is that you just can't beat the community in AA. Right before This Naked Mind was published, I actually went to an AA meeting because I was, you know, I'd done my research. I'd read through the big book. I was talking about different things in, in This Naked Mind, the book, and I really wanted to be clear. And so I went to a meeting and I have to tell you that although I did find the meeting like personally a little bit depressing and heavy, and that's not generally like the mode I like to live in or stay in, um, it was so beautiful in the sense of how many women, I went to an all women's meeting, they came up to me, they gave me their phone numbers, they said any time, night or day, text me, like the level of being there for other people that I witnessed was just second to none. In, and you just, amazing, amazing. And the reach of that, of that community is absolutely incredible. So, um, I think that one reason that people think that I think AA is wrong is because I do take issue with the word alcoholic. And of course, AA is Alcoholics Anonymous. So by definition, these things get very, very confused. The reason I take issue with the word alcoholic, I first say that I understand, and I've been educated to now understand even better, that for some people, identifying as an alcoholic is what they claim um, is saving their life. Because when they identify as an alcoholic, they develop this belief that they can never drink again in safety and that any drink is going to like, you know, be like a very, very, take them to a very, very bad place. And when they say, you know, I can't drink quote normally because I'm an alcoholic, they finally have the sort of diagnosis and understanding to move forward to never drink. And that can be a very amazing thing. And when your life is caught up with drinking to the point of being sick, recovering from puking and then drinking more, I had a really good friend, um, actually my dad's really good friend, best friends, one of his best friends in the whole world. When I was writing this naked mind, he read through the whole book. He took me aside and he just said, you know what? I want to give you my experience because you probably don't know this, but I am a recovering alcoholic. I've been sober for 
I think it was 12 years at the time, and he had done it all through AA. And he told me about his experience. And his experience was such that he would drink to the point where he was physically ill. He could not control himself. And then as soon as he would throw up and sober up enough after passing out, he would drink more. He said it was literally like living in hell. And if it wasn't for that definition of alcoholic and for him to hold, put that stake in the ground, this is who I am and this is why I can never drink again, can never be tempted again, he felt like he would have died. And so he feels a huge sense of gratitude for that label and that understanding of himself in relation to other people. And that's beautiful. I have no issue with that. And by the way, I don't think there's any right way in any of this. Stuff. I think it's very much like we find what works for us. Try on what works for you. Like that's the key here. That's the crux here. One of the things that did happen, just to go on a bit of a tangent, in the very early days of this Naked Mind, and I know that things are changing drastically, but when this is Naked Mind was published in 2015, I had a group of people come to me in various different methods via email. Um, some people tried to call me on Skype. There was all these sorts of ways and they wanted to get together and they were very adamant and vocal and they kind of banded together in this big group. Uh, and they reached out to me individually and collectively. And they were adamant and vocal about the fact that if I was to publish my book, I would be killing people because I would be telling them that they don't need to go to AA meetings. And it was scary for me. I thought that, wow, <laughs> People in AA want to stop drinking. I want to stop drinking. We're all in this together. One big happy family. This is great. And what I realized is that wasn't actually true. There was a huge sense of fear around the fact that there might be an alternative that was different. And that was very intense for me. And I will admit to very much getting scared and, and feeling like, you know, some like, wow, but I did it anyway because I knew that what the information I found, the scientific information around alcohol, the mindset shifts I had, the psychology I understood, the neurology, the biology, all of those sorts of things, they literally helped me to let go of alcohol without any of the residual uh, guilt or shame or pity for myself or feeling like I was missing out that I wasn't seeing in a really close friend of mine who got sober with AA. She got sober. She was multiple years sober at this point, And I still saw this sense of longing for a drink in her. I still saw this sense of self-pity when everybody else was drinking around her. I, we had multiple conversations about how she felt different and distance and all this sorts of stuff. And so the fact that I had found something that didn't make me feel any of those things. In fact, I just felt empowered and awesome and like this subversive minority and kind of like a badass, if I'm really honest with you, and really excited about the fact that I was never going to drink again. It very much, you've probably heard me say this before, but went from, I never get to drink again to, I never have to drink again. And how amazing is that? I never have to be hungover. I never have to feel bad. I never have to wonder what I said or did. That transition, that mindset shift for me was so powerful. And I had, by this time, because I had, I had put the um, PDF out for a free download online, and that's how people found out about me in, in the first place, this group of people that were trying to keep me from publishing the book. Um, because I had done that, it was, I had already started to get letters from all over the world of, of people that were really, truly helped. And so I pushed through the fear and the anxiety and like, oh my gosh, am I going to be killing people? Am I doing the wrong thing? Am I harming people? And I really realized that people are adults. I think that, you know, that realization was really important. And thank goodness that I did, because now literally, I mean, close to half a million people have read the book. Hundreds of thousands of people have been through the alcohol experiment. I get letters every single day from all over the world of people being helped. And I wasn't, you know, able to be kind of driven by fear. And I was really driven by my heart. And I'm really thankful for that. But that doesn't mean that I think AA is wrong or that there's anything bad about AA. I just had a particularly emotional experience with some members very early on. And so 
But by the way, I never talked about that publicly, especially not then. And I think that's really important. I think it's so important never to disparage anybody else's path or anybody else's way. Now, the term alcoholic, I found to be harmful for me in my life. And here's why. One of the reasons was why is that my friend who was identifying as an alcoholic basically told me that she learned that she was different and I wasn't one. And I think that gets happening a lot. I think there's a lot of times where people start to wonder about their drinking, question their own drinking, and somebody with the best of intentions says, well, you're not really an alcoholic drinker. And I, by the way, have had tons of people email me and say, well, you're not really an alcoholic. You're not really, you weren't drinking alcoholically. And I don't even know what alcoholic drinking is because there isn't really a scientific definition for it. In fact, the entire term alcoholic isn't scientific. It was really, um, it's just not something that there's a criteria for. There is the alcohol use disorder and that is a spectrum of use and abuse, uh, but that's not alcoholic. And so this, this idea of alcoholic isn't really scientifically or medically based, but people were telling me that I'm not an alcoholic. And what did I do with that information? I was like, okay, well, if AA is not for me because I'm not an alcoholic, but you know, then I guess I have to keep drinking. And that was my own decision. I take full ownership for that. But really, that was kind of what it was, is like, I'm not bad enough to be in these rooms. I don't have a big enough problem. Now, the problem might not have outwardly be, been big enough, but inwardly, in my heart, doing something I both wanted to do more of and less of at the same time, this inner conflict, it was destroying me. It was hurting me. It was painful. And I really, you know, was at the point of depression, very severe depression. And feeling like life just wasn't even worth living at certain points. And I think a lot of that had to do with how much I was drinking. And so even though maybe I didn't classify in some people's eyes as alcoholic, I was deeply hurting. And if I would have kept going the direction I was going, I definitely would have been, you know, even more and more so hurting. And so I think sometimes this idea that you're not alcoholic enough can perpetuate the idea of rock bottom. I am such a firm believer that we can get off this train way before it crashes. We can get off this train when we start to just wonder like, hey, would my life be a little bit better drinking a bit less? We don't have to wait for the train to go into this. I'm ruining my family and my house and losing my job and, you know, losing my house and all this stuff. We don't have to do that. We can, we can get off this train. But in order to say, my name is Annie and I'm an alcoholic, usually in my experience, the people who come to that have had pretty rampant destruction in their life, and they often talk about it as a rock bottom. And I'm a big proponent that we should be looking at this, questioning our drinking just as honestly as we're questioning anything else we put in our body. Like, I know the side effects of Advil sometimes better than people know the side effects of, of alcohol. And so let's, let's get mindful about this. Let's question this. Let's question this way before we have to take on a label and an identity. So um, I've done other videos on the term alcoholic, and there's a lot of different reasons, but I, I have taken issue with that word because I do think me for me and my journey, it did a lot more harm than good. It kept me from getting the help I needed. It kept me feeling outside. It kept me feeling um, like I wasn't bad enough. And so like the only option was either to get worse or keep drinking. And all of those were my own beliefs, but it, it did stem from that word. I also think it creates this layer of, of deep shame and separation. And I know from just like, what I tell myself about who I am is really important and it really shapes how I show up in the world. And so I've heard it said the most important words that you ever tell yourself are the words you put after I am. I am a mother. I am a daughter. You know, I didn't, I didn't feel good about I am an alcoholic being in there, despite if people think I am or not, that, that wasn't relevant because I didn't want to tell myself that. I didn't want to tell myself that I was somehow sick or diseased in that way. And what came with that was this idea that I was incurable and that if I ever had a drink again, I like, there was just no way that, 
you know, success was 100% sobriety, failure was 99.9%, one drink was failure. And, and that whole paradigm, we don't look at other stuff like that. We don't look at other stuff where, you know, if you're going to become a runner, you don't have to run 100% of the time. Um, but if you're going to become a recovering alcoholic, you better be sober 100% of the time because otherwise you're not, you're relapsing. And so I think the shame involved in that is, is pretty intense. And the science tells us over and over again, even though it's not really widely publicized, that actually it's compassion that leads to the most lasting change. And I think it's hard to have compassion when you're beating yourself up and when you're afraid of making a mistake. So, but self-compassion is what leads to the most lasting change. So I think that... Yeah, I absolutely do not have any problem with AA. I don't think it's wrong. Um, it is very different from this naked mind. This naked mind works on actually saying, you know what, I have the power and I have the power in my own thinking processes, in the beliefs I choose to adopt about alcohol, about society and about myself. And in those beliefs, I can choose, I have that power and therefore I can change my desire for alcohol and change my drinking behavior. Because human beings in, in what I have seen we really do over the long term what we want to do, what we feel like doing. And so the secret is, the secret to this naked mind is in changing your desire for a drink. If you feel like you want to have a drink, but you are never going to let yourself have a drink, it's going to be a willpower game. It's going to be a game of deprivation. It's going to be a game of feeling sad for yourself, right? And that could get you there if the fear is great enough, if all the bad destruction that's happened in your life is great enough. But how much cooler could it be? to take that desire for a drink, really dig into it and say, why do I want to drink in the first place? Do I want to drink to relax myself? Well, in this naked mind methodology, we would dig into the science of, does alcohol actually relax you? You'd go through this stuff, you'd understand it, these very empowering truths about alcohol, scientifically, biologically, neurologically, you know, the actual chemicals of it, how the brain works, and then you say, wow, it doesn't relax me. And then you adopt this very empowering belief that actually the thing I thought alcohol was doing, it's not doing for me. And therefore your desire changes. And when your desire changes, then you show up in the world like I was showing up where I could go into a bar. I, could, I had alcohol in my house for years, you know, because just until we moved, <laughs> because then we're like, we're not going to pay to move this stuff. But because what if somebody came over? It never was a trigger for me because I didn't want a drink anymore. And I did that work by changing my beliefs and desires. And so it's very different to say, okay, I'm going to be totally empowered to change all my beliefs and desires versus, you know, AA saying, okay, I'm powerless over this substance and therefore I need a higher power to, to rescue me from this. So I think that this naked mind and AA are very different. Um, and I think that's why people could think that I think AA is wrong, but just to clear the air, I do not think AA is wrong. I'm very thankful for it. I am very thankful for the fact that it existed back in a time when nothing else existed and was pioneers. And I'm also very thankful that we are collectively, you know, opening up our eyes to the fact that there are new and other ways and people, um, everybody has their own journey. Everybody has their own way forward. And that is a beautiful thing. Are you looking to connect with like-minded people? Sometimes maybe you feel like as someone who knows all this information from the snake in mind or the alcohol experiment that you're living in a world of muggles and people just don't speak your language. That is why I created The Exchange. The Exchange is an online community where we meet face-to-face, -face, live video calls multiple times a week with people from all over the globe just to connect, to have somewhere you're seen and you're heard and you feel less alone and really that you can give back and get the support you need. So if this sounds great to you, check it out at thisnakedmind.com backslash exchange.
And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.